Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Yagmore Soapop, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, and I'm joined by the regular co-hosts of George and Zach. We're going to take a look at the classic champs, see which deck won, who took home the four-foil Forcer Wills, and then we're going to have a look back at 2011 in the classic review of the year. We're going to jump in and have a look at the, the champs and have a look at the decks that um, made the top eight and who won the event. So, George, do you want to lead us in with um, the, the top eight bracket? Yeah, so uh, in first seed, we have Obob, who was playing an Oath of Druids list with uh, Good Game. Um, and then he was against Naoto, who was running the, uh, what's it called, Delver of Secrets Gush Tarmogoyf deck. Uh, Lobster 411 was on a... The exact same deck as Nieto, or very close to it, and he was playing against Jizabor, who's a pretty new player. I think his, uh, or the, uh, champion, the, uh, winner celebration. And he was playing, oh, surprise, surprise, the same deck again. Um, and then we had Maltico, who was running Affinity versus Sakurai. And Sakurai was on something that I will try to find here. Delver. Oh, look, another Delver of Secrets deck. This one doesn't have green, though. Um, and then the last, the last quarterfinal event was the Player of the Year, Excorpio, running Merfolk, versus Etrial, who was on Dredge. something. What are you laughing about? Uh, Dredge. Good stuff. So there's a few names that are not familiar to the classic scene in that top eight. I wonder if those people just played because the prize pool in champs was so good, or whether they've got a vested interest in classic and we'll see them turning out in the queues going forward. Well, I hope it's the case that they enjoyed their time. Um, some people, you know, who listen to us know that Dave Williams was playing in these events as a rug doctor, and he enjoyed it. He said that, you know, he would continue playing it. Good times. Now it's good to get more people interested in the format. So should we just have a quick run down these lists? Because they've um, obviously been piloted by skill, skillful players to the top eight of champs and uh, piloted their way through, what, about 50 players, George? Uh, on, the, on the money, although I believe one of the players actually was at a wedding, and so he pretty much just joined and dropped. So 49. Well, that's, uh, that's impressive. Uh, more people qualified than I first thought they would. Um, a lot of these events fired for the qualifiers. Yeah, so I actually I actually thought it was a little less. I remember saying somewhere in like the 60 or 70 range. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a little bit concerned, that, and I love blue, I'm a little bit concerned with the saturation of Delvers in an event that's high profile. Um, yeah, that's a problem, I guess. But at least Arthur Drew, it's one. Yeah, but you can... I mean, some people out there... Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I mean, you you can make the argument that's great at one because it was almost singular. What if the Oath decks were doing what the Delver decks were and they were knocking each other off and one Delver deck won? Um, I mean, that, that would be stinky. It just, it's, it's strange to me that we have... Okay, let me do a quick count. So we have one, two... Three, fifty percent of the top eight was Delver decks. 
That's... And of those, three of them were very similar. Yeah, three of them were almost mirrors. Um, one of them's... I like I liked the, the, the other one a little bit more just because it was running... Uh, uh, Vendillion Click, which I think is a pretty cool beater in the classic format. You know, three power a turn is not, not anything to laugh at, and he's just good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting also that Excorpio chose to pick something as, uh, what we'd call silly as Merfolk. Um, I, I guess he felt comfortable with it. I, I can't imagine that he thought that he could race the Delver decks, though. Well, wait. Now, you did see his tech, right? It's not just a Merfolk deck. No, I did not. He's running four waterfront bouncers for the Oath and the Delver decks because. Oh yeah, I saw that in the event when he played it. I was like, oh, that's right, waterfront bouncers are merfolk now. The thing is, the uh, the, the the little Delvers. I mean, I have to think that's part of it. I mean, they get so much worse if they return to hand. Number one, they're easily counterable with stuff like mental misstep late in the game. But number two, it's just a bad card if it's not flipped. It's a one one for one. I agree with that. I, he is running the two force. He's only running eight Lord Merfolk. You got to make room for those bouncers. That's that's See? pretty nuts. So he <laughs> left in the Ether Vials with no stacks really in the metagame, and he took out the what's what's the Lord for two and a blue? Uh the guy that taps things exactly. And that guy that guy's pretty strong. I mean that's one of those things. Narrow Regery. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's good. I, I see what he's trying to do here. It's just, you know, low mana cost, very controlling. I want my guys to just get in there for minimal amounts of damage because it's classic. So, I mean, I guess I guess Scorpio could have played Merfolk because he wanted to either A, play a deck he has a ton of experience with, or B, uh, win the championships with Merfolk and rub it in people's faces who hate fish. <laughs> yeah. But and did you see the... The problem I have with the Merfolk, though, and I know Scorpio is great, but why would he play a deck that auto-scoops to resolve Oath of Druids when $1,500 are on the line? He doesn't, dude. He added the uh, the Waterfront Bouncers. I don't think that's good enough. What do you... Dude, all he needs is two turns of bounce, and then Oath is screwed. I suppose. Okay, but... I have a Waterfront Bouncer. Oath resolves. Bam. They get one of their two creatures. Even if it has Dragon's Breath. Bounce it. Next turn. Resolves. Get a creature. Bounce it. Now what? Right. Right. But that's that's four creatures. That's it. Four in creatures to four with, oaths. A, in a deck with 20... Well, the Oath deck has lots of tutors. If he leads on any other creature and Oath resolves, he loses. But he also has how many counterspells? This, that's true. I mean, it is true. I just think that playing a deck that can't destroy the Oath isn't so hot. I do think it's pretty funny. Did, did you guys see his tech in a sideboard? I love the kill switch. Oh, it's kill switch for the win. Who was that? Was that in, in our forums, we, we had a long conversation about this a long while ago. I think it was Cronin? Uh, I think you're right. Sorry if it's not Cronin. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was mentioning how cool he thinks kill switch is in a stacks metagame, so it looks like Excorpio might have still expected some. I mean, look, he's still well, rocking that's... the... I think is kill switch is, is for not... affinity. Yeah, for Affinity. Is it? It's Yeah, yeah. You're, right. you're right, for the little dudes. You tap down all of their creatures, and then next turn they play three more, you untap it and tap down all their creatures. Yeah, seems good. 
So, you know, that's interesting to see that a Scorpio would bring... I think that, the strange part is, I think that's the most rogue deck in this finals, in my opinion. I mean, that Merfolk with the bouncer and the kill switch, don't you think? Yeah, and it's funny, it's his worst matchup in the quarterfinals and still won it. I mean, I guess with eight uh, hate cards, that's pretty good, but still rough. Yeah, well... I, for me personally, the most surprising thing about this top eight is that in Classic, when this creature has been sworn off and just, like, considered not good enough, there were eight full copies of Tarmogoyf in this Classic top eight. I haven't checked the sideboards, but that's main deck. That, yeah, I mean, Tarmogoyf definitely fell off the face of the map for about six or seven months. Don't you think that's interesting? I mean, weren't we even talking about how it's just not good enough? Uh, I mean, yes and no, I've always kind of said that you needed Tarmogoyf, but then the meta changed and you didn't need Tarmogoyf. What do you think, Andy? You think this is a sign of things to come? Possibly. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to, to know the reason why Tarmogoyf has come back onto the uh, onto the radar. I, I really don't, don't know the answer to that. I mean, Dex, I guess running blue and having access to filling up the graveyard with the very different spells that are required to make the Tarmogoyf grow, I mean, are pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that. I think another thing maybe that we could, we could attribute this to is there are just a lot more... Okay, I, I know it's not going to block any Delver of Secrets. Well, that's fair enough. It's not going to block a 3-2 flyer. But It'll if, block some artifact dudes, though. But if people are winning with creatures, whereas, you know, if people are running green-white, if people are running Delver decks with other Tarmogoyfs and Snapcaster Mages, if people are running uh, the Affinity Builds with the small creatures like you're talking about, I mean, it, I can see it being good. I just never thought of... I always thought of Classic as spell-dominated. It's kind of like right now, it's creature-dominated. And I guess... This Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, there's definitely been a, a shift in the metagame recently. Definitely. Well, I just think if it's creature-dominated, Tarmogoyf on a pure vanilla level is probably the best creature ever printed. So, if that happens, I guess that's inevitable, even, you know, going forward. Tarmogoyf does win this fights, it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that the um, the sixth place deck have got three Sorrow of Temptations main and one on the side as well is another nod to the prevalence of creatures in the format right now. Yeah. Well, it's it's nice to see creatures come back to an extent. I mean, as soon as creatures come back, though, like George showed with his first PE win a couple weeks ago, creatures come back. All that does is open the door for spells, and you get these storm decks. I don't care how good you think your creatures are; they can't stop storm spells. Yeah. It, I mean, it's pretty great for people like me. The creature decks push the workshop decks out of the metagame, and then BAM! All you get to do is play broken spells and win on turn one and two. Yeah. Agree, agree. So, this was definitely an interesting event, and uh, it looks like uh, we should probably go down what happened in the event. What do you guys think? Well, uh, Obob had a pretty good sideboard against creatures, especially blue creatures. Um, and I mean, his, his main deck looks pretty stock. But the Elish Norn, the two Fire Spouts, and then the three Red Blasts are all great against, uh, Yixlid, or, uh, I'm sorry, Pilbara Secret decks. 
Yeah. And Firespout and Elish Norn are both really good against Affinity, too. Also agree. And Dredge. And, and, well, Firespout's probably too slow for Dredge, but Norn well, is good times. Yeah. I mean, the, the cool thing about his matchup with Dredge is he just brings in two creatures, takes out his two he has, and brings in a Yixlid and an Elish Norn. Go. Yep. <clears throat> so, why were you foreshadowing how good this guy's sideboard was against creatures, Mr. George? Is, um, it's a very good deck, Affinity. I'm hesitant to say good as, you know, Workshop or Oath, but the fact is, and I've played a lot with it, it's just disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting, and if you don't, Open busted, you go home. See, you said you don't know if it's good enough as uh, as good as Oath. And there I agree. It doesn't have an answer. But can you really say it's not as good as Workshop decks? Isn't it better? Uh, it's better It's better against Workshops. Like, if you put them head-to-head, -head, uh, Affinity is better than Workshops. But I don't know if it's better than Workshops is as a whole in the metagame. Okay, last two months, which ones had more decks and more placings? Well, to be fair, in the last month, all we did was fire the championships events, and Affinity costs $250 to build. Workshops cost $500 to build. But, but the people who regularly play also played in the events, and they all had workshops. I mean, it's not they, like Montolio they, doesn't have workshops anymore. The regular workshop players, though, did not play Affinity for the most part. They played blue decks. Okay, but my but I, I think my point is this. I think there's been a little bit of a shift as far as which one is the better deck that has workshop in it. That's well, would that shift edge into it in the first place? Delver of Secrets has a pretty good matchup against workshop as well. Mm -hmm. And that was very popular for the couple of weeks leading up to Champs. But Delver of Secrets wasn't printed when Stacks was a big deal. Sure it was. N yeah, okay, before Delver of Secrets took off, though. I mean, that's not really fair. That's like saying Tarmogoyf was printed in the three months before it became the best spell ever printed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now people yeah. understand how good the Delvers are, and I think going forward, I don't think it's, I, don't, I just don't think it'll change. People aren't going to stop playing Delver. I, I don't see it. That's not a cheap deck. Agreed? Uh, agreed. So, I mean, if people are running that, and those, a lot of the good players were running blue. I know some of them were running with Oath and Shoth, and some of them were running with Delver. But all these guys who play, you know, the guy that you said looks new, the Joseph War guy, I've seen him a lot. I mean, he does a lot of PE events and stuff like that. He's very new in Classic, but I know he's like a pro. I'm just positive. He's somebody, I, I can't remember the name, but he's he's one of those guys on the tour. And even he came over and he's, you know, rocking the blue decks. I think. He was he was them, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, put in the mouth. No, he, he's actually the guy who ran the, uh, he ran the Vendelian and the Tarmogoyf. So that's pretty interesting. Um so, Andy, what do you what do you think is wh what would you say is a better deck? Oh, I, it really depends where the meta game is, um, and and right now it's clearly the the affinity deck that's that's the better deck. There's no doubt about it. It's putting up the numbers. It's attacking the meta game. It's a meta game deck, um, and it's uh, if you had to choose right now, you'd, you'd pick affinity. 
Right, but I don't think that that, as you're saying, it's meta-dependent, so I don't think you could say Affinity is just straight up better than Workshops. Right no, now, but it's like, it's, it's, like, it's like comparing any deck in the metagame. It's like saying, what's better, Shops or Oath of Druids? And it's like, well, it depends. It depends on the meta game. It depends who you're expecting to face in, in the in the rounds that you play Magic against. No, I think that historically you can say that Oath is better than Workshops. Second Well, that's a pretty big statement. Agreed. Yeah, that's like, uh, yeah, that that's a really big statement, actually. I mean, that's like saying. Uh, I, I don't think you really can. I think you, all you can really say is it's a tier one deck. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose Affinity is a tier one deck, but I don't know. To me, it just seems like people haven't figured out how quite to kill it yet. And once they do, it's going to stay dead for a while. What? Affinity. There, There is something out there that just crushes Affinity, and, and the players haven't found it yet. Well, it's Serenity. It is Serenity, but... I played the deck. One Serenity can't do it. They've gotta, they've gotta overload. Just like uh, when the green white hate bears decks were running rampant, nobody was sideboarding against creatures. You know what really just destroys that deck? Anything that makes the entire enemy team get minus one, minus one. It sounds stupid, but like Curse of Death's Hold, five mana. I know you could never cast it, but if there's a spell like that, uh, what's the one from CHK? Is it four mana? It is four mana. I mean, that rapes that deck. They have no creatures outside of, like, frog mites that have stronger butts than a one. And I guess the lodestone golems. And ornithopter. Great. Oh, the ornithopters are gone. That card is not in the decks anymore. Oh, okay. He replaced it with one metamorph. Um, I've gone ahead and gotten rid of the seal overseers and putting in a playset of metamorph. I think another thing, right before we move on from this deck, that we need to revisit, George, is remember, we actually talked about this before this happened, and we were talking about what you would play in an event, and you were you said specifically, if you wanted to do a 4-0 DE, Affinity was great, but for an event like this, it wasn't going to do it. And, it. and it got second place. Why did it get second place? Because, for the most part, Affinity scoops the Oath of Druids. No, no, no. You, you, I don't think you get what I'm saying. Oh, why did it do so well? Exactly. Because it didn't run into as many Oath of Druids as I thought would be prevalent in the event. A lot of the players that I thought were going to be playing Oath played Delver instead. And this deck rapes Delver. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't think Delver has a chance against this deck at all. No, it, Dredge has a chance. Storm beats its face in. Oath of Druids beats its face in. I don't know if Oath beats its face in, dude. It can be very, 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 very fast. I think this Oath player got, you know, pretty lucky and the sideboard was good for it. But I can tell you from experience, it's not as good a matchup as you're, like, saying, like, it'll beat 9 out of 10 times. It's not even close. I, I, I'm pretty sure I have more experience on both sides of the uh, matchup to say that Affinity is a dog to Oath. A dog? Fine. But you're saying it like it's a 90 to 10 dog. I, that's, that's what I'm saying. You're, no, you're wrong. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll give I'll give Affinity fifteen percent. Dude, no, there's the uh, Oath is not like you're not gonna get Oath turn two every game, and this guy will have a ton of creatures turn two, and just because you resolve an Oath, they get another attack phase. I'm gonna give Affinity fifteen percent. Uh, I I I 
I want to build Oath, and you build Affinity, and I say we play ten games and see what happens. I guarantee you I'll win more than one. Uh, I have Affinity. You need... Uh, uh, me as the Affinity player would need to win two games to make oh, okay, that Oh, okay, excuse it. me. Yeah, I said that backwards. That's that's fine. I say we do that this week, and we report back next week. Uh, okay, in my in my rough matchups, I, I'm pretty sure I've played about 20 matches on either side of the deck, and I am... At best, three match wins with Affinity. I, I just I just think it's low. I think maybe that's like luck or just variance or something. I've, I haven't played that many. I'll say I've played 10 to 15, maybe. But that Affinity deck, it's, it's not like, okay, they play Oath, you lose. They still get another whole turn, and they can just go off with Skull Clamp and, and just go off. I mean, they can just do it. And plus, you need to hit that good game oath. I mean, you have to hit the good game oath. If you don't hit the good game, they have two turns, and there's no way you're winning. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're forgetting that the oath deck has counter spells and some artifact destruction. And the massiveness of t um, game two, game three, Alice Norn. And, yeah, it's just... It is so lopsided, Zach. I, I have to disagree, dude. I just don't see it. I, I don't see it being that All lopsided. Right. All the Affinity players who listen to this podcast, please tell us what you feel the percentage is. Seriously. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair question to ask. I, I'd love to hear it because, yeah, it just sounds ridiculous. Like, if that's the case, if it was that much of a dog, I don't think it would ever win an event because there's always Oath in all these events. I know what you'll say. You'll say, oh, it doesn't always play Oath, but... It just seems like such a ridiculous percentage. Nine eighty-five, fifteen. If if you look through the uh, the championship dailies from the other podcasts, every time you see a four-zero affinity list, there might be like one oath list, maybe two, and every time you see three-one affinity list, there's like three four or two four-zero oath lists and like three four uh, three-one oath lists. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I mean, it, it's possible. I'll, we'll look back. I'd like to hear the affinities, uh, the affinity players, uh, I guess, synopsis on what they think the matchup would be. We'll, we'll move on in the interest of time. But, yeah, um, respectfully, I disagree. I understand you're opinionated on it, so we'll see. Um, so next up is Excorpio with Merfolk, and we talked about that already. Yeah, definitely. He also had a reach it on port. Yeah, that, that's kind of nifty. Um, I'm not sure if I'm a fan of it, but nifty nonetheless. Yeah, no doubt. You want to bring us into the next one there, Andy? Yeah, sure. Next up is Lobster411, and he is running one of the Delver decks that we've talked about. Um, the variance on this, I guess, is that he's running the, the Gush, two Jace the Mind Sculpture, and a couple of main deck Lightning Bolts, and he's got the three Tarmogoyf, which we've already talked about. So that's, uh, that's a deck that, uh, made, made, made top eight for multiple people. Um, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Good deck, solid. Yeah, uh, got the Gush and Fast Bond Engine as well. It's, it's hard to say that the deck isn't good when almost three of the exact same thing all top-aided. Yeah. Yep, so uh, it's definitely definitely cool to see uh, some of the synergies in that deck. I mean, the way that the Gush Fastbond engine works, it's obviously great by itself, and Gush is one of those cards, especially with this deck, you never need more than one or two lands on the table, but it helps to flip the... Uh, 
the Delvers, and it's just such good tempo. I mean, Blue obviously wants to draw as many cards as it can, and that really helps with four four brainstorms and four gush. So definitely and the library. Yeah, and so, the library. Uh, an interesting thing about this deck is that it looks a lot like the four color fish deck. It does. I mean, obviously, obviously, it does not look a lot like it uh, uh, with the spells that are in it. But when you look at the game plan of the deck, it looks a lot. It looks very similar to the way that Four Color Fish operates. You get one or two guys down on the table, and then you just protect them. Instead of having Dark Confidant, he has Gush. It's really interesting to see. You know, Nato's a great player. And he's one of these guys that you know you won't you won't mess with him too much on on most of his choices. And he's the the fifth place deck in this event. But it, it's really interesting to see his numbers he picked here. I mean, these are so to me they just look so strange. He has vampiric tutor, and that's pretty much it as far as finding in demonic, of course, as far as finding singletons. But listen to these singletons: one library, one strip mine, one query on dryad. One Trigon Predator, one Ancient Grudge, one Fast Bond, one Mana Drain, one Nile Spell Bomb, and the other stuff is obviously one because it has to be. And then you look at the twos, and the twos are almost as strange. Two Misstep, two Nature's Claim, two Spell Pierce, two Lightning Bolt, two Jace, two Snapcaster, two Tarmogoyf, and two of a bunch of the lands. I mean, it's really interesting the way this deck looks. It looks like... Like, similar to, like, a mishmash of good stuff, and he just, like, draws into it. I, I know it's not like that. He he's a good player, and he has a plan, but it's just interesting to see. I guess he might have more value out of his brainstorms than anybody else in this tournament. Uh, I would agree with that. And he did write a pretty nice uh, event article about this deck over on Pure. Very cool. So yeah, check that out if you guys have time. It's it's always an interesting read. He's a good guy and he's a good writer. So, way to go, Naoto. Keep it up, bud. Then uh, looks like in sixth we have uh, Sakurai, which was the I guess the more different version of the Delver deck from the other ones here. Uh, he's got some interesting cards in here. It's really cool. I see that Caracas, and I instantly think this guy was expecting some show. So he well, is, also, it's really good with Vendillion Click. Yeah, it's good with Vendillion Click, but I don't think I would run that in the same deck <coughs> just for a singleton. Uh, it's it's also pretty savage against Emrakul. It, yeah, it's just, that's it's good game. I mean, it, you can't put two Emrakuls down at once, which means you can't ever attack. It's just good game, unless they have a beast within. Or a Python. Or, or a Blightsteel. Hey, yeah. Some of, some of them do sideboard and Tinker Blightsteel. Some of them actually were running for uh, Emrakul One Blightsteel main. I was I was kind of surprised. I remember saying that uh, you might wanted to try that back in August when you won the season two. Yeah, I was never a huge fan of it just because I never had the artifacts to tinker. So an interesting thing of note here is counterspell, and I'm thinking he didn't have sixty dollars for mana drains because there's no reason you would run counterspell over mana drain. Mm, yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean, just on a functional level, Mana Drain's better. Um, plus, he's running three Jaces, which just make it better. So, yeah, I, I think that might be a monetary decision. Um, completely understandable, and uh, I don't think it made a difference either way. It probably No, did. coming in sixth place, he probably wished for a Force of Will to buy 
Yeah, I'm sure he bought uh, the drains if he wanted to stay in the format. Definitely. Um, anything interesting in the sideboard? A fourth sour. That's four sours, and then four energy flux against the affinity decks. Yeah, see, energy flux. You know, this is going back to my convo with Montolio back in the day. Energy flux is definitely not as good against this deck. Uh, there's been multiple conversations. This deck meaning affinity. There's been no, multiple, it's not it's so slow. Yeah, four of. and not just that, they have an easy out. They're like, oh, okay, energy flux. Hmm. And my upkeep, I'm going to sack this, 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 and this for the Ravager. I'm going to pay two lands. I'm going to kill my Ravager and put it on this guy, who's a whatever, if it's the signal past whatever, something that has evasion. And bam, they're still going to win. Yep, or they could put it on a Meshers Factory. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then there's the dredge matchup. Yeah. Coming in next, uh, we've got Jizzabor, who is pretty close. It's like a mishmash of uh, Lobsters and Naoto's deck. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And he's got, like, Scavenging Ooze in there as well. He's got a, a Diabolic Edict as one of his tutor targets. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting-looking build here. This is, uh... It, it's, it's really neat to... Just look at these guys side by side. Um, I think StarCityGames.com has that editor where you can look at the changes in the, in the decks. Of course, we're not going to be able to look at these, but that would be really interesting to put the four Delver decks next to each other and see what the common pieces are and see what the non-common pieces are. It's like this guy's also running two of the libraries, which seems pretty good. Uh, you can actually do that on Classic Quarter with up to three lists. Oh, very cool. So that's uh, something to check out here with these guys. It's it's definitely, you know, there's there's a common theme here, and that common theme is Four Delver of Secrets. Um, yeah, for it's 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 tough to say that a one-mana creature is, like, one of the centerpieces of Classic, but it is. It totally is right now. It just is. Cool, cool. So uh, his sideboard looks... I... I'm not a big fan of the sideboard, to tell you the truth. It's good against Dredge. It's actually too good against Dredge. Has four Leyline, three Yixlid, and then the main deck has the Scavenging Ooze. Andy has Dark Blast. And and the, and the main deck has a Spell Bomb. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I think he expected a ton of Dredge. I just, yeah, I, I wouldn't in, in this kind of an event. Um, I, I would cut down a Yixlid Jailer, probably. And, the, I, I mean, Dark Blast is good against Delver. I know why Nile Spellbomb's getting popular. It's a mix of Delver and Snapcaster, but Snapcaster's been on the decline, and I just don't think it's as good. Um, I mean, it ha it is on the decline, but I think it's still as insane as it ever was. Oh, no, I, I think it's insane, and it's a great card. I just, when I say it's still, I don't think it's as good, I don't think it's as prevalent in the classic environment as I thought it would. I, remember... Do you remember when Snapcaster was big before Delver and every blue deck had, like, four Snapcasters in it? Mm-hmm. That's just not happening anymore, and that's kind of what I mean. Even these guys are running two Snapcasters. Uh, Delver is faster, I guess. I guess. Uh, I, I'm curious. I know R&D has said that they didn't expect Delver to be quite as good as it is, but if, ever, if they're worried about it, 
Yeah. It's it's doing a lot of damage in Legacy and Standard. Yeah. I think they've got to be worried about it, like you say, just because it's cross-cutting so many formats. I and mean, they I, would rather... I'm sure that they're okay with it doing something in Classic. They probably don't even care. But it's winning, like, 45% of the time in Standard and Legacy. They wouldn't mind if it was a Mythic Rare. Yeah, how about being a common? It's good. No doubt about it. If if the Elver of Secrets were a Mythic Rare, though, first of all, it would have to be a little bit better than it is. And how much money would it be worth? I mean, that, that's, oh. that's kind of like the thing they don't want to go over. You know? I, I, look, I think it should be probably... It's pro- <laughs> It's so hard to validate the card because it has, in most environments, it has such a hard thing to make it happen. You have to have an instant or sorcery on the top. But when you have access to unlimited brainstorms like Classic and Legacy do, it just gets a lot better. I know it's good in Standard too. I don't think it's near as good in Standard as Uh, It's not near as good, but it does have uh, unlimited ponders. Yeah. What I think what I find really funny is that two sleeper cards that we've missed from our set reviews uh, during the time on the podcast have both turned out to be creatures which have got a kind of pseudo alternative uh, casting cost or a way to cheat a cheap creature into play. I'm talking about Slash Panther and Delver of Secrets. You know, is Slash Panther still around? Well, it's it's not because workshops are, um, have kind of died a little bit in the format, but um, when they are, then the the, the stacks the cat stacks fever build is still very much a force in the in the in the environment. I think my problem is I'm starting to realize I'm just too opinionated. I still can't give Slash Panther respect. I don't think it was amazing, and I don't think it put stacks decks over the top. I just think stacks decks were good even before the Panther. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I just that. never thought it was like, oh, now it's the best deck ever because it has a vanilla 4-2 haster. I think Metamorph was way bigger. Yeah. Metamorph was pretty... So, uh, coming in 8th place, we have Dredge by Etrial. Uh, is there anything awesome about this deck? There's a Woodfall Primus instead of Sun Titans. Um, let me pause for a second, George. Go ahead, George, with, with Dredge. Oh, uh, alright. So, uh, coming in eighth place, we've got Etriol playing Dredge. And, uh, let's, let's see, is there anything awesome about this? Hmm. Uh, no Sun Titans, but he has a Woodfall Primus. Which blows up something when it comes into play. I guess that's okay, unless they're stopping you with a creature of some sort, like a Blazing Archon. Um, I don't really know. I, this deck looks fine. It looks like it'll do what it wants to do. It has two Emerald Charms and a bunch of hate in the main. Uh, it's just like every other Dredge deck you've ever seen. Get Bizarre turn one, and then let the let the deck do its thing. I think that uh, the five main deck hate cards are... Why he came in eighth place instead of farther up? Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, problem it is, might, it, all these decks in the top eight, all the decks. So let's see: seven, four, eight, 
three, four, five, six, seven, four, eight. Uh, Scorpio has four, eight. And Maltico in second has four, five, but they can race. And they have eight main deck ways to get rid of Bridge. And Obob. I mean, look look at these side. It's not fair. Dredge never stood a chance. I don't care if he had less hate in the main or not. He wasn't going to win. Uh, I suppose that's fair. Because, I mean, it's ridiculous. That almost, like, two of the guys, only two of the seven, didn't have a full seven-plus Leyline VXLid combination. That's ridiculous. Sometimes, though, that's not enough. I mean, we're talking like it's completely ridiculous, and I agree. But sometimes that's just not enough hate. I, 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 very rarely, I'm, Andy. Very rarely. I mean, rarely. sometimes you lose game three, but I would put this to, in my analogy of the affinity versus oath. That's why I think your analogy is so bad, because this is way higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> Seven seven leyline Yixla jailers for stretch just seems like a beating every time. That's one. That's one in every eight to nine cards. It's it's ridiculous. So you can basically mulligan and be assured of one of those pieces. And all the ones that have three Yixla jailers are blue decks that can brainstorm into them, except for Scorpio who doesn't have brainstorm. The only way it's not enough is if they. The the thing is. To, for it to not be enough, I think the dredge player's hand has to be so far and away more lucky because they have to have two pieces. They have to have a way to beat the hate, and if they don't dredge into a bazaar, the deck sucks. So they have to have um, two pieces in their opener to, to compete, and all these blue decks have stuff like Mental Misstep and Force of Will. It's just, it, it, to me, it's just mathematically very high probability that they'll be dredged. And one of two cards that he's really missing from his sideboard that you know could have helped are Firestorm and Contagion. Yeah, yeah. Both of which get rid of multiple Ixla jailers. Yeah, uh, Firestorm more so. I, I, I like it even more than Contagion because Contagion needs the black cards, and although it seems like that would be easy, it sometimes it's just mind-wretchingly horrible when you just draw, like, Narcomoeba, Narcomoeba, Land, Land, Golgari Grave Troll. You're like, ah! <laughs> it, it is free, though. You could play it during your turn one if they went turn one Yixla Jailer. Agree. So, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's an interesting top eight here. It's uh, definitely... I, I want to say it's a very, you know, varied top eight. It's really not 50% Stelver. But the other half is kind of kind of interesting because you got the... Affinity Dredge Merfolk Oath Quadrant. So, very nice. Um, and if you count workshops, all of the pillars are represented, except for Storm? Yeah, I think three of the four are represented. It's definitely interesting. An interesting thing. Uh, interesting time for Classic, because now now comes the next phase. Now comes the cooldown period, where it's not a Watsy-sponsored uh, time, and this is where the, the onus falls back on the classic community for keeping the uh, the events going, the interest still going, uh, keeping new players, um, I guess, interested in the format. It's it's definitely interesting. Uh, well, when you say it's on the player's onus, uh, I'm pretty sure that Watsi is making it incredibly hard for us. We went from like seven scheduled daily events a day for two weeks 
two one. Yeah. Well, not just that. Um, you also got the the fact that it's such a scattered user base. So if you have one, the other look. If it was one event and nobody worked, it would probably not be a big problem. But with people like Andy in the in the European sector. People like George and myself, who even though we're both in the United States, we have a three-hour time difference. So if George worked my shift and he got home at 5.30, it would only be 2.30 my time. So how do they schedule those daily events? You know what I mean? It's tough. It's, it's rough. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if anyone at Watson is listening, give us two daily events at least. Come on. Per day, per 12 hours. Yeah. Really? Do do? Can you really just not... Choke on, uh, I don't know, some kind of M12 seal deck that gets maybe 19 people. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. I don't think that would affect it. I think if you had an M12 event going on at the same time, would it really affect it? Well, no, they would have to replace X event with a classic event to add one. Why? Because they've got it scheduled all 24 hours at a half hour each. But why can't they two do two events at once? I've seen it happen multiple times. Oh, schedule two events at the same exact time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You're talking about, look, I'm telling you right now, from a technical perspective, it is not a problem. They could run ten events at one time. Maybe, I, maybe. I run an online game. Uh, you know, I, I, I help out with maintenance and stuff like that. And I'm telling you right now, it would not be a system strain at all for a 16-person event. Well, maybe they're looking at it as a business standpoint, saying we're splitting up. We get not none of it. I don't know. I don't know how they're looking at it. I'm just saying it's a bad excuse to say, oh, well, there's already one at that time. I mean, I agree with you. I've seen them do some amazing things, and I don't even know what they're capable of. I assume it's much more than what they give us. Yeah, it is. Anyway, uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to hammer them too hard. They've been great for the winter celebration, so that was really a cool, cool thing, and. Uh, nice to get everybody involved, nice to get Classic in the spotlight for a little while, and it's nice to see some uh, innovation and new faces. So, Hopefully it'll continue. Um, you know, Speaking of which, very soon coming up, guys, I think they've started the Dark Ascension previews on uh, Wizards.com. So hopefully in, in the next couple of weeks here we'll have some new uh, anti-Zach saying everything sucks and George and Andy saying everything's awesome. So... <laughs> I don't know, Zach. The, of the 33 cards I've seen so far, I see nothing at all that will make an impact. George, I have three words for you. Past in flames, my friend. Past in flames. And Delva of Secrets. Where is Past in Flames, guys? This is the time where I say, where is it? Uh, it's, it's pretty much raping modern. It's like one of the best decks, but I know that's not classic. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. So, uh, guys, I guess that draws to us towards the end of this podcast. Uh, we should take a couple of seconds just to thank puremtgo.com for hosting us and mtgotraders.com for sponsoring us. We'd like to uh, thank Woxie for putting on the uh, the qualifiers and the championship event and all you guys for coming out and playing and supporting us. And uh, we'll see you in seven. Definitely. One thing I want to add um, that I promised I'd add in the comments of last week's, we have a new uh, challenge. And this was sponsored by one of our clanmates. Uh, Cronin was nice enough to throw in something really cool. You you cannot find a foil flash pretty much anywhere. It's not a card that's readily available. It's a foil from Mirage. Uh, 
Uh, he's thrown that in uh, the prize pool here for the first person who can 4-0 the next daily event. Not the next, any, any upcoming one. First person too, though. Uh, with four minds desires. And that has to be, you know, a centric theme of the deck. Looking at you, Stuart Olk, you cannot put them in dredge. And uh, do do a 4-0 and you'll get a fancy new uh, foil flash. So That's a pretty cool, that. pretty cool challenge. And minds desires... Is a card that's really close to my heart. Um, played it back in the day in uh, various formats, so uh, I'd love to see someone complete that challenge. And it's not as ridiculous as it was three weeks ago to do, because Workshop... I mean, we, we've only had one event fire since the championship, but Workshop is nowhere. Workshop so you, cannot beat Affinity, Workshop cannot beat Delver, and Workshop has a hard time with Oath. So the first person to start running Workshop again, I'm going to have an immense amount of respect for, because that's a man who is uh, masochistic, like Mr. Backgoods or Mr. M. Mog. I want to see it, guys. Sounds good. Who would have thought that a common from Innistrad would have overthrown Workshops? I don't know. I'll see you guys next week. Have a good yeah, one. Just on that last point, could you have imagined if when we were reviewing the Innistrad set, would have made a sweeping statement like this common so busted it's going to kill shops? Oh my god, we would have been flamed out of existence. And we'll leave on, on that note. Take care, guys. See you in seven. Later.